Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. So, Betsy, uh, you've been reading the newspaper. I think you're one of maybe three in the country that has um, actually reading a physical newspaper. But there was an article you saw about a guy from Portland in the New York Times that really struck your interest. So tell me who it is and, and why you thought it was important to mention today. Well, it's important for a variety of reasons. First of all, it's important because Portland is once again on the front page of the New York Times. And it wasn't just this officer, a security guard, but when you open up the paper, and you're right, I've got a real newspaper and I could rustle the pages if you wanted me to to validate that statement. But when you look in the inside of the paper, there is a story about uh, Mr. Bach. His name is Michael Bach. And the interesting parts of this are that so many people in downtown Portland, homeowners associations, businesses, have gone to hiring private security firms because the police are so grossly understaffed and overworked. The police are focusing right now on just big crimes, murders, robberies, that sort of stuff. There just are not enough cops to go around. And so business owners have gone to retaining uh, private security. Mr. Bach works for one of those private security companies called Echelon. And it's interesting in the small block area that Echelon covers on behalf of a business association that pays into uh, the cost of having private security, the crime has dropped enormously. And I think that, and the, the homeless are moving out. So I think there's a correlation between the presence of quote unquote security guards, law enforcement personnel, uh, and now the governor has augmented Portland police with some state police. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, there is a direct correlation between bad behavior and and nasty streets and the presence of security and uh, other public safety personnel. So yesterday I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Bach and he is just as authentic and just as empathetic and just as real a human being in person as he was in this incredibly poignant article. It's titled One Man's Distressing Days on Patrol in Portland. And it talks about all of the things that he is involved in on a typical day, including one that there's a terribly poignant picture of of him actually with mouth-to-mouth resuscitation bringing a guy with a fatal OD back. And uh, Mr. Bach ended up getting a lot of criticism because they said he had applied mouth-to-mouth resuscitation without a mouth plate piece, which is hogwash. I saw other pictures other than the ones printed in the New York Times, and it clearly shows that there's a plastic barrier. Mr. Bach is an EMT, and he knows better than to have mouth-to-mouth direct resuscitation on somebody ODing on fentanyl. Uh, So he was using a plastic uh, mouth blocker. But I asked what happened to the guy after they brought him back. His oxygen level was like at 58%. He was gray. And Mr. Bach's ministrations brought him back. So I said, what'd the guy do? And Mr. Bach said he jumped up, cursed at all of us that were there applying Narcan and, uh, and extra oxygen, cursed at all of us and staggered off to go get his next fentanyl hit. 
So it, it was very touching to meet Mr. Bach and to see that he is just as real as this article portrays him. But uh, um, we're now down to resorting to private security in Portland because of the paucity of police officers. Police officers in Portland are underappreciated, overworked, uh, scorned by segments of the public, I think abused. Central Precinct officers cannot park downtown. They, they have to walk across the bridge from southeast Portland at all hours of the night and day through all of the nasty streets of Portland and all of the, the bad actors in order to come to work. Other of the precincts get to park on site, but not Central. That's another story for another time. I promised the officers in Central I'd try to do something about it. So every chance I get to bring it to people's attention, I do. But it remains a, a poignant exclamation point on the fact that Portland is continuing to disintegrate. And we keep making the front page of the New York Times for reasons that are not positive reasons. So why have you engaged yourself in Portland? Because for the time I was working with you, you know, for the last 20 years, almost, you didn't have much to do with Portland. Obviously, you didn't represent Portland. You had a portion of Multnomah County as part of your Senate district. But what changed to make you think that helping Portland is actually going to help all of Oregon? Well, it was actually during my um, ill-fated gubernatorial race that it became abundantly clear to me that Oregon cannot succeed if Portland fails. And by every measure right now, Portland is failing. I mean, the county managed to screw up a half a million dollar federal grant for transportation services to a delayed sobering center. Anybody that knows anything in Multnomah County in Portland knows that if we're going to try to address homelessness and drug abuse and alcoholism on the streets of Portland, we need to have a sobering center. This is someplace where law enforcement can take people besides a hospital ER. And uh, the, in, uh, in June of uh, 2022, the city of Portland applied for and won a grant from the U.S. Department of Justice Assistance to create a service to transport people from the streets to a new 24-7 sobering center that was scheduled to open. And the county screwed around and screwed around and screwed around despite having tons of money and never got the, the sobering center built. And so instead now of a sobering center, the county is moving forward with a stabilization center. I don't know what the hell a stabilization center does, um, but it's not intended as a drop-off site for law enforcement. And the county's gonna spend another hundred $150,000 towards studying the feasibility of such a center. But in the meantime, the grant, the half million dollar grant has disappeared. And uh, it just, to me, it is absolutely incomprehensible with the county sitting on as much money as they are sitting on and their inability to get it spent to advance some of the very obvious solutions that will fix things. One of the issues that we've offered, and I, you and I have spoken many times about the Bybee Lake uh, Recovery Center, we have 151,000 square feet out there, and I have lifted up the possibility for consideration that we take a wing of that facility and see if we could turn it into a medically supervised detox and a, and a sobering uh, center. I've got no response from the county that seems to suggest that they're even interested in doing that. So they've got a new 
Commissioner Julia Brim Edwards, who I think is going to be a breath of fresh air on that commission. She is very ably assisted uh, by a longstanding commissioner, uh, an overachiever. She's both a doctor and a lawyer by the name of Sharon Myron, who incidentally is getting a, um, a an illness or an award for her work with the mentally ill. So anyway, it's it, it, Portland is is continuing to earn national attention for all of the wrong reasons. Uh, which is sort of a segue into one of the things that I've been working on very hard, and that is to try to reduce some of the very pernicious effects of a ballot measure that we passed here in Oregon called Ballot Measure 110, which uh, functionally legalized personal possession amounts of all of the really hard drugs, heroin, fentanyl, uh, cocaine, methamphetamine, and I, it, it, I've been working hard on trying to get that turned around by legislative intervention. It's no wonder that people in Portland get jaded and and cynical about uh, the, the activities of government when it turns out that an employee of a Portland not-for-profit called Outside In, which delivers medical care to people that are on the streets, and I, I applaud the work that they do, but they were a recipient of a $1.75 million grant out of this ballot measure 110 funding. And they actually wrote the study or co-authored a study finding no link between ballot measure 110 and the rising drug overdose fatalities. I don't know what planet this employee of a beneficiary of ballot measure 110 money is living on. Because if you talk to the Michael Box of the world who are out wearing out pairs of shoes, trudging around, he and others that are on the streets all the time say they have never seen it worse, never seen more Narcan applied. That's a drug that uh, nullifies the pernicious effects of opiates. Never seen more Narcan applied. Never seen more people dealing with heavier and heavier types of drugs and more insinuation of the poison fentanyl into other drugs that are causing massive ODs. And then last but not least, the, the, the study, this cooked up study that find, found no relationship between decriminalization and overdose fatalities it was repeated in the Oregon media, the traditional media like Oregon Public Broadcasting and the television statements without so much as any reporting to check on how authentic is the report, who wrote it, is it doctored, is it slanted? They just like like lemmings repeated exactly what it said without doing any investigation at all. And then it becomes gospel because it was on Oregon Public Broadcasting, which is our national public broadcasting station, as you know. Uh, I, I continue to just be astonished at what's going on. Our, our uh, Portland Bureau of Transportation um, built a couple of hundred million dollar uh, project on a street in Portland uh, supported by taxpayer money that nobody wanted. And it has continued to uh, stifle business activity on this street called Division. And now they're actually talking about tearing it out. They a couple of hundred million. They don't have enough money to um, to do uh, parking ticket enforcement. They don't have enough money to fill potholes. 
And yet now they're talking seriously, or maybe not seriously, I hope not seriously, about funding a water taxi on the Willamette River, which will be a black hole of subsidization. There's no way in hell that thing can pay for itself. And it's just like, when are you guys going to get a grip and realize that what we don't need is a water taxi for the elite to go on a little excursion from Vancouver, Washington, upriver into the Willamette River, when we've got people dying on our streets because nobody in state government or county government or city government can get it together to build the sobering centers that we need that give the police some place to talk to people who are hideously out of their minds by virtue of alcohol and drugs. I don't get it. I just color me, color me jaded. Well, I'm curious, why don't they try renaming some more streets? Because if you rename streets, then maybe there'd be less homeless. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that would be great. And then all of the people that are, we've already done all of our share of street renaming. Nobody bothers to pay attention to when you just arbitrarily rename a street that all of the businesses on that street have to reprint their stationery and their business cards and change their web pages and make sure their customers know how to find them. It seems to me both at the federal level and at the state level and at the county level and at the city level, we are dealing with trivialities and not the sort of things that impact a family just trying to get by. And, and now, of course, since you and I talked the last time, the heinous attack on the state of Israel and how much that's going to cost and what are going to be the ramifications of that kind of geopolitical upset to our frail economy in the United States, our topsy-turvy political choices. It seems like every morning when you wake up, it's not like what's on the news, it's what's wrong on the news. And I think it's time that elected officials get held accountable for some of the stuff that they're focusing on when they should be focusing on how do we make our, our country and our state and our cities um, safer? How do we attract business investment? How do we make the arts more vibrant and an anchor for people to come into metropolitan cores? How do we help our hospitality industry? Um, we're focused, in my view, on a lot of the wrong stuff. And this is going to come into much sharper relief in Oregon shortly because we're getting ready to go into a short session. Oregon used to meet every odd numbered year for give or take six months. And because we are tied so inextricably with the federal government, both at the pocketbook and the policy level, the Oregon voters changed to have an annual session, which is functionally the month of February. Uh, and it has now turned out to be a second bite at all the crap that didn't pass during the long session and a chance to introduce even more new novel crap that didn't get introduced in the long session. And so what you couldn't do in six months, now you come back and try to do in six weeks. But one of the things that I'm asking the legislature to do is to take a serious look at rewriting uh, the rules around ballot measure 110 so that we can ameliorate some of the grotesque drug abuse on the streets of Portland and begin to try to make Portland safe and have some accountabilities for people using drugs. And this doesn't mean to just say, no, you can't use out in public. It means that there are uh, there are criminal responsibilities and accountabilities for people that are using drugs or selling drugs. We have got to get accountability back and use that accountability as a, as a point of leverage 
to get people into treatment. As it is right now, you get a citation for smoking fentanyl on the street. Uh, the, the drug guy looks at the citation and says, the hell with this, wads it up and throws it on the ground. And there's no ramifications to that behavior at all. Yeah, I was doing a little reading at the uh, Oregon Department of Criminal Justice about this ballot measure, and apparently it created a whole new uh, brand of felony. Uh, what was it, grade E or something like that? And it's just like you say, you get a you get a ticket for this, and that's basically all it is. It's a ticket. You could take it home and put it on your fridge like your kid's picture and look at it, but you don't have to do anything with it. And there really isn't any reason for someone to get help if you don't have some sort of you know, stick. You got to have a stick, don't you? I- a motivator. Um, I have seen drug court. These are uh, courts where people with drug offenses, criminal drug offenses, can come in. And if they fulfill a, a regimen of treatment and are clean and sober, the judge then has had the power to make the, uh, the, the criminal record not exist anymore. Um, but it's my assumption, and I believe that it would be borne out by medical professionals, that people that are mentally ill or so high on drugs they don't know which one of the twins they are, are unable or unwilling to make the best decisions about their own health care. So what we've gone from is a system that had a stick, which meant that there were consequences for drug abuse and use and sales, to to a much lower standard of Now, if you want to exercise your bodily autonomy and just do whatever you damn well feel like, it's okay. And there are no consequences. Um, In downtown Portland, there is open, flagrant drug abuse. And I am told by law enforcement that Portland is the second largest open street usage of drugs, second only to San Francisco on the West Coast. That's a tragedy. And in the process, have trashed downtown. So, what is your sense of how willing or able the Oregon legislature is to fix any of this? Do you think they are amenable to your suggestions? Are they not so much? Do you know yet? Well, here's what I think they're going to do. I think they're going to nibble around the edges and act like they've done something. They are going to say we. And I'm speculating at this point. I'm no longer in the legislature. I don't have that. Um, you know, ear into what the actual conversations are. But I'm speculating that they're going to attach some penalties to public use of drugs and call that a day and just say we fixed it. So they they nibbled around the edge with some stiffer penalties with fentanyl. And now they're going to say, okay, if you go into your tent and shoot up or smoke, um, it, it, we've we've done our bit to help salvage uh, our largest metropolitan area. That's not, not going to be acceptable, and we will go to the ballot. So when I say we, we're working with law enforcement. We're actually consulting as the language is being written with the treatment communities. We are reaching out to very progressive political folks uh, with with um, seasoned lobbyists who speak the language of the downtown urban progressive. More people will die if the legislature fails to act and we will have to raise a ton more money to go to the ballot. But in the polling that I have seen, people in Oregon are sick, sick of the flagrant, abusive use of drugs and they want their town and their state and their county back. And so I hope we can make that case to the to the legislature when they go back in in short session in February 
of 2024. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.